It is the 200 level episode 344 back together with Trevor. Great title, by the way, Trevor. So you ended up using that. I did. I did go back with that. As I was texting you, it has this very kind of like Sesame Street playful quality to it. I remember uh, in third grade, we had to come up with rhyming name tags. And so most kids came up with some really cool, you know, I don't know. It had the word fart in it and it rhymed with their name or something. And I just put clever Trevor. Clever Trevor And I remember good. some people saying, that's great. And others going, oh, Clever Trevor. Oh, oh. And mm. I thought, man, I don't know if that was a good nickname or not. Yeah, I told a couple a little of my pretentious, kids. pretentious, but you know. Mistakenly one time I told some of my students that my nickname for some is Carp. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't get it. Yeah. A few yeah. knew it was a fish and they didn't really find it too clever themselves. But um, now we've been doing these sort of welcome back, come back with Zach for Isaac, which was <laughs> my, my favorite part of that, though, was the apostrophe S-A-A-C. And then, of course, Return of the Wern. And then later this week, Back in Black, or Back with Black, or Mr. Black's Back. We'll decide which one we're going to do when Harry That one writes on. itself, for the most part. Did you see his pictures of his... Oh, I, I, yeah, I followed. So for those that don't follow Harry on social media... <laughs> you should, first of all. You should, for starters, especially as the Eagles season's about to kick up. But this guy is literally doing bodybuilding competitions mm-hmm. where he eats next to nothing for a couple weeks. He, he, of course, has always been a really healthy guy. And this is the kind of thing where he gets super ripped and his veins are popping out. And he's like orange. He's orange and all of that. And it threw me the first time I saw a picture like that. But now I'm just used to it. <laughs> now I'm used to it as well. I showed uh, my grandma who kind of knows him because she would pick yeah. me up sometimes. from the radio. I said, look at this. She said, who is that? I said, that's Harry. She said, no, it isn't. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> it is a damn shame that back in the day we did not have success that we could talk about because when all of us were there with Lon and Jeremy and really from the transition to Tay and Jay to the two split shows, that would have been, I think, 20... When did you arrive at 93.5? 2015? Well, I started interning in 2016. 16, okay. Because I started talking about the Cubs, I remember, as they won the World Series that summer. That was fortuitous timing. Um, and then 2018 was when we split? Is that right? 2018, we split... Uh, 2017. 2017. Yeah, so we had about a all year right. and a half, two years, and... What we had in those years was the dearth of the lovey experience with years two and three. And somehow we carried off four hours of programming a day. Unbelievable. Between the two shows. I, I mean, I'm doing two podcasts a week and I have as much excitement for an Illinois football season as I have in a while, even more so than last year. And this occurred to me. I was on my run today and thinking how last season the fun didn't really start until October. We were all, I think, a bit gun shy. Yes. The Indiana game especially threw us. And Virginia and Chattanooga were merely, okay, we're getting back to playing good football. But it was really the Wisconsin game, which I I think happened to be on October 1st, that, oh, wow, this could be a fun season. And I I don't think I even watched the Virginia game. I I passively tuned in. I didn't go. I had work responsibilities, too. That's right. The Indiana game was like, all right, never mind. That was my... I was already all the way back out. As funny as it sounds after that game. I was too. That, that week, I know you had work responsibilities. I didn't. I could have easily went in the stadium, but I had this very stubborn, I'm not setting foot in that stadium until they show me what's what. Well, they dismantled Virginia, despite, I think, like five turnovers. Yeah, or it was something. A kind of an ugly game. Pretty ugly game. And then the next week or next Thursday, they smoked Chattanooga before a nine-day break before Wisconsin. And that's when it all changed. But I have not had this anticipation in an off season since, I, I guess before Lovey for its own thing, just because of the the celebrity behind the name, but probably for the actual team and what I expect from them, I would have to go back to two thousand eight, and I think that's kind of why we get a little bit scared. 
yeah. when we just mentioned yeah. that. There's no websites with like Luke Altmeyer and Isaiah Williams for Heisman and something else. Seven right? nine dot com, yeah. <laughs> which by the way, that was I think done in oh nine. Okay. Their final season, I which see. was their worst. Yeah, great. Now, what we're going to do today, I think, you know, like I was telling you before we got on, I, I don't have notes. I didn't with Jeremy. I didn't with Isaac. I won't with Harry because why? I think, though, if I were to gather from our chat thread with me, you and Isaac, that you are, of course, excited, but you are, and maybe this is part of your character, part of this might be innate, <laughs> you are slightly more skeptical, perhaps, than I yeah, I, that's a fair characterization. So I think what we can do is mine that a little bit sure. and see, because I think it's going to be a mix, and I'm included in this, where there are the foundational aspects of Illini fandom that really make us jittery and nervous. Yes. History has shown us time and time again, don't get excited. I have, nope. no, I have no examples on the side of I should get excited if we're just looking historically. Historically, you're right. I was born in 97, probably started caring in 2005. Yeah. Why should I care? Well, and we even had a recent <laughs> example by losing four of the last five games. That should, yeah. if we were to lump that in with previous historical things, we would say, well, we had one good month, and then we're going this way. So I think we'll have an interesting balancing act between the historical context of this, which is why I think a lot of Illini fans, even if they're one of the 10,000 that bought season tickets, which is impressive, that they still had that little nugget in the back of their mind of, uh-oh, what if? Mm-hmm. And maybe what best case scenario would be. So in other words, we got the what we would consider the floor, which I think we would agree is not as low of a floor as we were used to with Illinois football, no, for sure. No, But that there still is a floor that is possible that could make this a disappointing season. So it'll be interesting sure. to see where that is for both of us. Yeah, and I think my skepticism is more based in the actual roster and what we're looking at than... Uh, sort of uh, whatever you, historical intangible heebie-jeebie <laughs> like I, I don't think the reason why I'm slightly more skeptical is because I'm worried that this is going to be a repeat of history more so just that if you I mean if you look at it the, you, the most important position on the field is someone who's never started a game ever yeah there is that and so it, but, it's but, no small thing it isn't a small <laughs> thing but then at the same time you can go well maybe he's great we don't know because he's never started a game I mean he, I think he threw what 30 passes in the sugar bowl which Hey, I'll take that over starting one game against Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Sugar Bowl is probably a little bit more nerve-wracking than <laughs> facing a, I would think, yeah. a, a directional school at home or something like that. Um, it's just the amount of unknowns where I am unwilling to certifiably say we're going to go 7-5. and five. Because you don't know. What if Altmaier gets hurt two games in? Now, that's always a, you know, a giant asterisk. But what if he does? John Paddock is your quarterback for the rest of the season? I don't feel good about that. Probably not. I mean, that you might as well have. Well, I don't know about Jeff George Jr. back there, but you know, I mean, he's not a good quarterback. Oh God, who is the, uh, Chase Crouch? Chase Crouch. That's probably a better. There's honestly, there's so many. Would you take AJ from... Bush as a backup right now? <laughs> yeah, over Paddock. Yeah, probably. I would. Yeah. I probably AJ would, Bush actually. was actually pretty talented. Barry Lunny basically ran an AJ Bush system at UTSA with their running quarterback. It's a shame so. that that team stunk because AJ Bush had a little something. He did have a little something. Uh, probably like Aaron Bailey. 2.0, except he was obviously better than Aaron Bailey because he actually started. God, who was MJ Rivers? MJ oh, Rivers. Yeah. It's just the cavalcade of names. We had a year. Illinois quarterback. We had a position. year where the two quarterbacks' names were River and Bush. That's and I, right. I remember my yeah. dad constantly because he, he he loves good puns. I hate bad puns. He kept saying that he thought it would be great if we had a quarterback named Stone. That way, the quarterback <laughs> room would be Rivers, Bush, and Stone. 
I'm like, uh, that's you got to stop saying that. But wait, help me with the connection in that. Just like natural elements, natural or something, elements. you know, like river, waterfall, bush, stud, weed. Know. Yeah, just come up uh, with as many seed. nature names as you can. Leaf. Those are the types of things I was occupying my time with during the 2017 Illinois football season. I, I was looking for the dirty connection between no, no bush dirty and connection. river. I'm thinking what's in the river, but we'll pass that later. All right, so what I'm going to do real quick, I'm going to hit the sponsor, yeah. if that's okay. Of course, DP Doe online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. You can order online at dpdo.com. Get a custom zone with any topping that you'd like or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That is dpdo.com. I've been looking forward to this one, Trevor. Now that you're back. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. I haven't said that name in forever. Way too long. What a great domain. By the way, excited to get Brian back on later this year. Yeah, he, he was good. Isn't good he? Good listen. Yeah. yeah. Really enjoy having him him around. I'm sure I'll see him in the tailgate lots too. But he is our insurance guy. We just recently did something with this old home. And Trevor, you've, you've been here before. And this thing's 100 years old. The wiring is old. But State Farm offers this really cool app called Ting, T-I-N-G, that monitors your home electrical system and lets you know if there was anything amiss. It gives us a big peace of mind. So State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. I'll let Trevor get it one last time. Brianismyguy.com. Excellent. Also, we have Owen Builders LLC, our newest sponsor, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Luke and the guys over there do a fantastic job. Even in the crazy heat that we have coming up this week, they will, uh, I'm sure, be working on multiple projects. And because they are a smaller company serving East Central Illinois, the prices are competitive. The craftsmanship is second to none. So go online to owenbuildersllc.com to get a free quote today. That's owenbuildersllc.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. You can give them a call at 217-841-4728. No better time than now to make sure that your AC is purring like a kitten. But while you're at it, you can get a furnace check scheduled as we already have for, I think, late October, mid-October. Because before you know it, even with these 100-degree temperatures, it will be getting cold. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. I got a couple exciting things to announce, Trevor. Let's do it. One, and they're both live-based. So one, we do have for this month a uh, sponsor from Champagne Center Partnership. They have been really active with local community events, and they have one on Campus Town September, uh, September 9th from 1 to 7. That's Saturday, September 9th. No home game. So you're just chilling that day anyways. There's going to be live free music, dance performances. You can shop local vendors, explore a global array of restaurants during Chowdown and Campus Town. I like that name. Presented by JSM Living, the City of Champaign, and powered by the Champaign Center Partnership. More details online at ChampagneCenter.com. And I know I got a lot going on here, Trevor, so thanks for being patient. Champagne Showers Podcast Network and the first live broadcast of the 200 level. Wow. You won't be able to be at this one. No. Nope. We'll do others, though. And uh, Isaac will be on September 1st, the night before the Illinois-Toledo game. We will be at Poor Brothers in downtown Champaign from 6 to 7. We'll be putting that up on the socials, so be sure to pop out if you'd like a drink and to listen to us do a live one-hour podcast the night before Illinois-Toledo, which now, Trevor, is only 13 days away. Gut feeling, when we wake up two weeks from today, are we... How are we feeling two weeks from today? I think part of my skepticism, and I mean this honestly, one. is that the first three games or f three of the first four games are the supposed MAC champion, who Brett is calling the MAC champions, even though Smartly. they haven't actually won anything yet, but the, the best team in the MAC, which is you know a fine league. I mean, 
we've certainly seen our fair share of ball states and Western Kentuckys and others who have pushed us from those types of leagues. Granted, a, a worse product on our end when that happened, but um, Kansas, first true road game. Of course, you schedule Kansas five years ago or whatever it was. Whitman, it makes a ton of sense. You know, you get Missouri, you get Kansas, you get Virginia. Those are the three he scheduled. UConn, he also scheduled. I'll give him credit for that one. They still stink. Um, and now all three are, are, are decent. So, of course, <laughs> that's just how that works out. And then you get Penn State, big noon, a couple weeks later. I think part of my concern is that for a quarterback who has never started a game before to start against a team that is going to go to a bowl game, probably win nine games, then go on the road to what's probably going to be Kansas's best environment in two decades because they've sold just as many season tickets as you have because they're somewhat excited for the first time ever. Well, not ever, but in a long, long time. And then Penn State is like the dark horse to win the Big Ten. So I honestly think the first fourth of this schedule, starting with week one, I could see something where it's Toledo 10, Illinois 7 at halftime, couldn't you? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and I'm not that. puckering up to the point where I'm actually concerned we're going to lose that game, but I think it's going to be a very good test, and I'm curious to see. I, I guess my thought is you can't really fine-tune that much at all in this schedule. Like, where do you get Aiden Lawfrey or whoever, you know, 10 carries to feel good about himself? I don't know, other than Florida Atlantic at home. That's it. That's the only game that feels like a true gimme. A true gimme that happens to be the week after a very emotional weekend against Penn State at home. Mm -hmm. So so just circling that and thinking you're going to win by five or six touchdowns may not be that easy either. Though you will win, I'm, I'm fairly confident about that. But there is a chance you start one and two, and then worst worst case scenario, there's a chance that you lose all three of the first games. I don't games. think you lose all three. I don't, I don't think you do either, and I base that more on the coaching staff. In fact, if you were to lose to Toledo, I'd be pretty sure you were going to beat Kansas. I would agree with that, which is the weird part of this, mm -hmm. right? I think you're going to be one and one or two and zero oh going into that Penn State game. And the reason I lean a little bit more towards two and zero oh is this: I think that having a Toledo game at the start. I mean, Wyoming last year, for example, not probably in the same ballpark as Toledo, though I think they did go seven and five last year out in the Mountain West or whatever they're in. Toledo and the MAC, uh, you, you know, listen, the MAC as tricky as some matchups can be and you can go back to pj fleck at western michigan when they absolutely smoked us the week after lovey and co lost to north carolina i think i'm going to be the lazy big 10 fan and rest on the trenches sure and the size differential being the home team and also the little things and this is where i i do take solace in this coaching staff all the night practices now maybe other programs do that but they're clearly doing it by design yeah the, the the sort of meathead things that you could see from other coaching stabs when they do the mac champs thing i don't roll my eyes i don't know why that is maybe I should, if it was pat Fitzgerald, i would oh but, yeah we, we all would <laughs> for sure bad example maybe with recent events well. but it just seems to me that with the first two games as long as you get a split you are still kind of right where you want to be and i think that penn state game no matter what happens in the first two games is going to be a hell of a game at I, home I agree. with with Bielema's track record in big games, too. Against opponent ranked opponents, if you think about it, last year at Michigan, uh, was Minnesota borderline top 25? Uh, last year, I don't know if they were, but in the bad year, his first year, you went on the road. And that was one, and then at Penn State as well. And, yeah. Yep, at Penn State. Yep. Okay, so let's let's focus then on that first week against Toledo. Sure. The things that make you the most nervous would the at the top of the list be the first start for Luke yep, Allmeyer. and it would be. But yep. here's the thing with that, and and that this leans more towards your more optimistic side of thinking. 
my worries could be dashed two drives in if he's you know five for six for 97 yards and two touchdowns 10 minutes in mm-hmm. we don't know it's just the mere fact that it's a question mark that makes me pump the brakes on this team is once again going to be closer to nine and three than six and six maybe they're a seven and five team that was closer to six and six this year that'd be fine by the way i would gladly take that i'll take any bowl so when i say i'm, I'm more skeptical i don't think the floor for this team is any lower than five and seven, to be honest with you. I, I don't, unless something were disastrous were to happen. I, I don't think so either, because if you look at Toledo, I'll throw Kansas in there. Well, well let's go with the gimmies. I think the gimmies, so to speak, Fort Atlantic and Indiana and yep. Northwestern. Yep, and that's, that's three. three. I'm pretty damn close to putting Nebraska and Toledo being home games right in that next tier, along with the at Kansas's, because what I'm intrigued by with them, this sort of interconference battle. Mm-hmm. If I'm to take anything out of that bowl game with as ugly as it was, physically you matched up with a decent SEC team. Yeah. And I know that you play the same brand of football for the most part. I know they did a little bit more pass-heavy stuff at Mississippi State, but really defensively a lot of the same sort of things. I'm interested to see Big 12, Big 10. Do we see a drop-off, especially when you consider that Kansas had an even worse second half of the season than you did? They almost zooked it. They almost did. I think they were started six and one and finished six and seven. And I forget who they beat. Well, no, you're right. They were six and one. Now their lost quarterback their got hurt. Their mobile quarterback, I right. think his name was Jalen Daniels, and he's back. Um, so that's part of the reason a Kansas fan would attribute to the why the, the second half drop off. I think you're right that for as good as Kansas's offense was last year, their defense stunk. In true Big 12 fashion, right? Most Big 12 games are like 56 to 53 or something. I mean, that genuinely is. Though also last year, Indiana's defense stunk too. And somehow you true. weren't able to get out of your own way. That and that's true. one of those Friday night. It's when almost, they announced Friday night, did you think yeah. you've got to be kidding me? Yeah, because yeah. it's almost a carbon copy, to be honest. I think Kansas is at a similar level-ish. Probably better. They'd beat this year's Indiana team to Indiana. You go on the road again on a Friday night. And I mean... I don't think that game is like I'm not I'm not going to assume you're going to lose and be surprised that you would win. I think it's a it's a toss up. Um, but again, I mean that's why week one matters a lot to me is I, I really want to see what this looks like. What if you know I, I'm just making things. Robertson shanks two punts and Griffin misses a field goal and Altmaier looks okay but not great. How good are you feeling going into a short turnaround game six days later? I don't know if I'm feeling that great. No, I'm not. I let's we're volleying a little bit here. We I like are. this because my inclination, the uh, the little bit more fanboy that I have in my blood than you do. I, you might be younger than I, but I think you're wiser as a fan. <laughs> you were a cup, hypothetically speaking, yeah, at all times, which is smart. And the Friday night thing, which really threw me at first, and I thought you've got to be kidding me because that Indiana game just sucked, and it sucked even more as the season wore on. Yes, and you thought, boy, I would have liked that one back. And not just because it sucked, but because you actually played just well enough that you should have won, but didn't. And really, statistically, like you, lost, you smoked them. Right. It's not like you lost forty to three and it yeah. sucked. You lost barely off an overturned call. I mean, the first play of the game, Devin Witherspoon like decapitates some dude. Remember? Yeah, I remember. You would think at that point. Game it's over. like game over, right? <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds Statement funny, but... made, game over. So what extra sucked about that was that you should have won that game 99 times out of 100. And that was yeah, and I think Indiana fans probably recognize that, too. They yes. walk out of that same thing, how the hell did we right. win that? And as their season went on, thinking yeah. even more so, how the hell did we win that And game? we're thinking, well, this is just a repeat of the Purdue and the Maryland game from the first year and all these close calls, the Rutgers game at home, if you want to throw that in there. But I will 
try to find the positive spin on that. The one thing that Bielema has been really good at from the intangible perspective is crafting these narratives Mm -hmm. and then the team rallying behind that. Again, if it were Fitzgerald doing it, I'd roll my eyes. I think there's something in the way that Bielema does it that seems a little less coachy and meatball-y and a little more mm, deliberate, perhaps. I agree, and and genuine, Yeah, because I think he actually believes it. I don't know if Fitz believes every time he would say, and I hate that we keep using him because now it doesn't even matter. But uh, he's the closest meatball yeah. guy. I mean, who's the new meatball? Well, I mean, PJ Fleck, Fleck is meatball-y, yeah. but he's, he's been good, so I don't really know what you can say about it. But I, I do think there is something, because I remember before last season in Brett's big opening press conference, he said something to the effect of, I've never had more fun around a team or I've never felt better about a team heading into a season ever. And I thought, oh, boy. I actually took that like, oh, we're going seven wins, seven and five. I wasn't sure yet because we hadn't really seen it, right? We saw a five and seven that looked okay. Now you've got a revamped roster with a new quarterback and all that. So I thought, oh, please don't say that because you're you're really putting your stamp on something that could backfire on you. But for the most part, to your point, I think everything he's put his Brett stamp on has been verified, if you will. And he chooses when to – he doesn't use it every week. Correct. He doesn't – and actually, if you think about it, the Michigan State and Purdue weeks were uncharacteristically – there was no narrative. No, the, all the you Michigan had to do was go out there and win. Yeah, and the Michigan State one, the narrative was taken care of by the Spartans and their yes. off-field shenanigans, and it actually worked. That that one-in-five chance with the whole rallying around, even though he lost eight or nine key guys, well, they did that. The Purdue game was more less of a narrative and more of a, well, rinse and repeat, let's try it again. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't any sort of chip on their shoulders. Nope. The Purdue game at Purdue two years ago or the year before was a distant enough memory where it had nothing to do with that. There wasn't a revenge narrative like there was at Wisconsin. Or... Plus, sometimes it's hard when it's an opponent you play every year and have been mediocre against to conjure yeah. up any kind of revenge narrative. Like Purdue least, doesn't get you excited. Right. At least with Wisconsin, even though you played them every year, it had been forever since you'd gone in there and beaten them. With Purdue, it's like, what's the revenge of? Oh, they got us last year, but we're five and five against them in our last ten. Like, right. there's just not enough. Now this year, there's enough juice with that one, which we'll get to. But I, I, to your overarching point, though, I I agree that from a preparation standpoint and a motivation standpoint, I feel about ninety nine point five percent confident in Brett saying the right things and the things that he's saying being legit. That's why I think, and you would probably agree with me on this. We could lay down a bet, but I don't think you'd take it. I would put. $100 down right now that that Monday press conference before the Kansas game. In the opening statement, <laughs> Brett says something to the effect of, all right, well, we got a good opponent here coming up in Kansas. Friday night, we remember very well last year on a Friday night, driving back home from Bloomington, Indiana, and how we felt. That's really good, by the way. That sounds I, exactly I don't know, like, just... not, not, not the voice, but the intonation. The intonation, the yeah, yeah. I can't it, do the voice, but he's, does sound like he him. does speak pretty quick. Yeah. And... And actually, I know he's going to latch into that. Yeah, I know right. he is. And it's really two Fridays because that Maryland home game his first year was a Friday. That's right. Now, that was a little different because it was a home game. And we stunk at the moment at that time. And we, we also stunk, in- stunk. And there was like a five-yard punt that basically lost you that game. Darn near um, won it. Among other things. but So I, I that's where I, hear I think I hear the you. Kansas game. Okay, so the Toledo game, we would agree it's the unknown, especially quarterback position. And you're right. The special teams, until we see it work out after I'd give it four or five weeks to really feel good about it. I mean, we're 13 days out from the season, and he just said basically he's not sure who the punter's going to be. It might be our starting kicker. That's not great. No. And that that really worries me because actually Robertson was decent down the stretch. He was. Had a great spring apparently, and I don't know what the hell happened. Which, also, I don't really know what that means. 
I guess he was just good at punting for a month in the spring. Well, but then you wonder, honestly, but. it might be as simple as just a few muff punts. Mm-hmm. And Bielman was like, I'm not doing that crap again. I'll take the 35 yards for sure from this kick return punter over the 43 yards. And then every fourth punt is crap. Yep. You can't do that. So I agree that the quarterback position in that, let's get this out of the way as far as a concern, not get it out of the way to dismiss it, but the secondary. I am. I'm not as concerned about that. I agree. Why, why do you feel that way? Partly because it seems like, it sounds funny to say it after just two years, but it almost seems like they're just churning out this factory of whoever the next slim athletic guy that slots in for Brown or Witherspoon's going to be is, is going to be not a stud necessarily, but at least good. Kirby Joseph was not on the two deep two years ago, right? That's one of those things that we'll get bantered about during Lions games all year. Mm-hmm. But that right there, anecdotal as it may be, tells me that, well, this is a systemic kind of thing that even with losing Ryan Walters, you retain the DB coach who's running the same system. You know, occasionally I do think that this defense will get burned on bigger plays more than last year. That's only natural. Yep. Lack of experience back there. But I don't think that you're playing these sort of high-octane offenses that are so good that they're going to expose you. Take, for example, if you were playing Purdue and Aiden O'Connell and the supporting cast that he had last November Mm -hmm. around him and Jeff Brom's offense, most importantly, I don't feel great about it. be a problem, yeah. But if I look at really the opening stretch of games and think of the strength that you have in the front six, let's call it, against mobile quarterbacks and you think they can kind of corral the running part of the quarterback's game – It's really just about holding it down in the back five. And I think the Mississippi State game, why that bowl game was actually kind of nice to not have Devin or Sidney back there or Taz. He was hurt, I think. Correct. These It was fine. Yeah, these random dudes showed that they keep guys in front of them. And frankly, that's all you need half the time. Yep, yep. I mean, I think the Mississippi State quarterback, I forget his name, had broken the all-time record for passing yards at Mississippi State. Obviously, it was a Mike Leach offense that wanted to throw, 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 throw. So the fact that the – did they score two touchdowns or one and a bunch of field goals? Okay, so it was two, but one of them was Was the late touchdown on the lateral thing. So it wasn't an offensive touchdown. They scored one offensive touchdown. Yeah, I think they took the lead with five or six minutes to go on that shoestring catch in the back of the end zone. They got their one touchdown by a centimeter. By an inch. And, and then the next one was just that stupid play at the end that turned into a touchdown. Right? And it did feel at times in that game like the defense was merely just holding things together. But I think that was kind of by design. But and that's okay. Like most defenses in college probably aim to hold things together. Yeah. I think we got spoiled last year with, what was it, the fire department or whatever they called them. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, there were games where, God bless Art coming in for Tommy or something. Like that Iowa game. It's just it like, was just run the clock. How many times can you spot Iowa within the 25 and stop them completely? You know, When Pintone hit the 9-6 to six go-ahead field goal, which I forget if that was late in the fourth quarter. It was. I think it was. like so three minutes to go. Yeah, so the 6-6, six to six, though, was the the thing. Yeah. And you're I just... Remember Isaiah muffed a punt. Yeah. And then they had another like second and goal from the two, and they didn't score. Mm-hmm. Oh, they scored a field goal, but they didn't Which is fine. punch it in. So I, I think all that said, okay, we, we talked about the concerns being quarterback. That's just going to be wait and see. We don't know until we it's know. It's just a wait and see. Special teams, unfortunately, until we I just get... hate that that's a problem. I do, too. I because do. the way Brett plays football, which I enjoy, which is funny because forever I hated the Wisconsin or Michigan State or Iowa game that you would flip on in 2015, and it would be 9-7. to seven. 
and you're what a football game and i'm like that's just gross now but now experiencing it which is kind of fun i had a hell of a time at the iowa game (laughs) it was really quick and you just felt like next team to score wins and it's psychotic about liking that it is yeah sure but it is fun in a way so it bothers me that the fundamental unit which is special teams is the one that might be the shakiest just because the way you play football you're going to want to manage the clock I think part of the reason the defense was kind of gassed down that stretch last year is they just couldn't get off the field. Yeah. Like in that Michigan State game, I mean, it felt like Tommy went three and out every single drive. Way too many, despite all the yardage, which a lot Mm -hmm. of it came late. I I think that with the special teams, I will take solace in the fact that I think kicking is fine. I think kicking is super fine. You will kick. Here's the thing that kind of burned them last year. When Caleb Griffin was hurt in that Minnesota game, it was a short kick that allowed Michigan or Minnesota, excuse me, to return it all the way down to yep. year five or whatever it was. And that they took the lead then. Despite you actually beating them by 12 and feeling like you dominated them, they were leading in the third quarter, and the offense had one of their best drives after that. But Caleb Griffin kicks out of the end zone. Caleb Griffin is a reliable kicker. At least he was the second half of last season when he took the duties back over. Mm-hmm. I feel good about kicking on both of those fronts. And, and you've got a five-star kicker behind him. Who apparently is who killing apparently him. apparently is already knocking him through from 55. Exactly. So, so that's kicking fine. is fine. It's the I, punting. It's the punting. So if you were to tell – let's say this move – I think the, the reasoning behind a possible change from Robertson to Griffin is key here. If you were to tell me it's because Griffin, for some reason, is lighting it up in practice, I feel great. Sure. But if you were to tell me that it all stemmed from Robertson, and I think this is likely, all stemmed from Robertson muffing a few too many in practice, then you think, well, can I rely on a first-year punter in Caleb Griffin to just reliably put it 35, maybe 40 yards down the field, just essentially be serviceable and don't suck? Right. You don't need to be Blake Hayes, who spoiled us with his— coffin corner punts and all that I, I think another part is the punt return I, isaiah muffed like half his punt returns last year i don't know why i think you put Beatty back i there. have no reason why he did that but you, he did he you kept ne- doing it you need to protect isaiah on offense for one and i think you put Beatty back there or yeah. or elsie yep and then again unknown so that might be fine i just hate that i don't really have the, it, it's odd that in the era of Illinois football that I probably loathed the most, the one thing I could sort of sit back and not worry about was kicking and punting. Isn't that weird? And now it's sort of just I, – I just hate that if there's six minutes left in a game, you're up by three. I just don't really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I can't sit there and go, well, Demke will knock one through to win it or you know, Blake Hayes will knock him down on, on, you know, within the five. I don't know that. And that's a big part of the way Brett plays football, so I hate that I don't know that. That's fair. That's fair. I would like to think you can somehow offset that with an explosive offense, but I... You're going to need a more serviceable (laughs) offense consistently, I think. I think last year was... I don't want to call it like a home run hitting offense. I think that's a mischaracterization because Tommy DeVito didn't really throw a deep ball. No. But there was so much Chase Brown. And when he did, it wasn't always great. Right. But there was so much Chase Brown, and it did feel like correct me if I'm wrong it felt to me like a lot of successful scoring drives last year were quick correct and often early like hit a screen pass to chase for the first play of the game he's art like the Wyoming game he's already 20 yards downfield hit him again. I was in he's line at, I was still in line I mean, at that part within 30 the seconds they did because <laughs> the fireworks went off as were you know 20 people away from the entrance and, and I thought well and, that's a good start and that is one credit I'll give Lunny as a side note I think his opening drives have been really good well I wonder too his scripted if, plays if you will if it's scripted in the second half and I didn't ask him this but the Minnesota the opening drive after they took the lead in the second half Probably and one then of the you best went drives right of the year. yeah because yeah. it took time off the clock mm-hmm. and you went I think a good 75 yards for it so let's talk about the offense so we, we talked about the main concerns here um, and I know we're bouncing around, but again, no script, that's and that's okay. 
So the opening three games are pre- what we are uh, worried about. And I, I just think- wish the opening three games were Florida Atlantic at home, Western Kentucky at home, and I'll throw in an at Kansas. That's sure. fine. It's just that I feel that there's no soft landing cushion around the at Kansas. So you know you're going two and one at worst to start. Yeah. Agreed. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah. And the early Penn State game, it might be advantageous. I would even take the Florida Atlantic game and flipping that with Penn State. I agree. Just so you know, yes. you're likely two and one. I don't want that extra, oh God, if you happen to be 0-2 in the first two. I will let you know, though, that I do think they're winning the first two games. I think they're winning the Toledo game based on... I just, think they do, too. Yeah, I, I, I base that on Bielema in first game so far against a better-than-you-Nebraska team two years ago and the way that they just completely owned a okay Wyoming team. Toledo's better than Wyoming. I think Brett off prep in general. I would love to see the record. Yeah. Off more prep. And, uh, yeah. and any week where he gets a Chattanooga on a Thursday and then steals what essentially is almost a half of a bye week on on top of that. I feel like he's like 8 and 1 here. Which makes the sneaky the <laughs> sneaky good win last year I think was at Nebraska. You because dominated that game after the first quarter. You did because it didn't look great at first. You're six and one. There's no real narrative behind you going in there and giving it your best shot. No. So clearly, the game plan and all the preparation kind of carried the day. Because what what emotion do you muster up when you just had three consecutive emotional weekends? You get the bye week, and then you got to try to get all that back. I, I thought that that was another. Sign and really, if you were to go to the bowl game, uh, the offense—I mean, Jesus Christ—they they were bad. And I, I have some ideas behind that that actually makes me feel a little bit better for this season. Okay, because one idea that I have that concerns me is running back. You know, it's weird, I, I, and I, I know that people have some confidence in Reggie Love, but I would ask you why. Because Jer- our, Jeremy our does. nickname for him last year was like horizontal Reggie. Until right? like, like, like it'd be second and three, and it would somehow be third and seven. Yeah, because so, Reggie's like, I'm going to do it, and he's going to run around the outside, and then he gets tackled. I, I agree to an extent. I think that I am going off of Bielma track record. I'm going off of the very scary idea that Josh McRae is actually going to be good. Well, he would if he wouldn't get hurt. Yeah, The problem of is course he's going to get hurt. Okay, so I would agree with that. You know, <laughs> this is interesting, though, because if you ask me about my positions of concern, I'm not as concerned about wide receiver because I really like the mix of guys there. And I do think Malik Elzey is going to be an instant impact, not a Regis Ben type, because that's a once in a generation type of recruit for a program like Illinois, but he's going to be an impact. That is one of those guys, by the way, that he's been talking up a lot. And when we go back to how deliberate it feels whenever Brett goes out on a limb mm-hmm. and how his, his hit rate when he does go out on a limb of some kind, the fact that he's saying Elzey is elite, impressive, I don't have enough good things to say about him. And that his teammates like, say that too. Yeah, like that, that, that is very encouraging. To so hear that already. The wide receiver room, I think that as long as you deliver the ball to them, they'll be fine. I think in this regard, Altmeyer concerns me a little bit less, despite the lack of experience, because I feel as if we would have a notion, an inkling, something kind of trickling out from the Smith Center. Hmm. We're giving Paddock a few more reps. Just, you know, we, we aren't getting that. The team, no. the way they talk, the way the coaches talk, even though they're trying to be very stealth about well, it. Even the fact that Brett is being that intentionally coy makes me feel like it's not close. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he would come out saying, well, you never know. It's kind of up there. It's a great battle going on 
if it actually was a great battle going on, because that's not a good sign. No. If that's what's happening. And it's not. Right. For all all signs point to that not being a thing. So let's talk about running back, because you bring it up and the concern that you have, and I think it's justified. I was listening to Jeremy and Joey break down the position groups, and Jeremy is very high on the running backs. And Joey, to a lesser extent, but they both feel confident that they'll get it done and they'll mix and match their way to it. I just want to be careful and not do the, and it's apples and oranges, but do the addition by subtraction thing or, well, when you had Chase Brown, you were so reliant on him, it actually hurt your offense. We said the same thing from a basketball perspective with Kofi. Well, Kofi, we love him, but, you know, he kind of... He kind of clogged up that offense a little bit just by virtue of being 7-1 and, and his skills. I I don't know how they're going to get the yards based on who's going to get what. I just think they will, which might be naive. No, that's fair. I, I just think that it's hard when you've got six B-plus guys to know who's who's the guy. Like, who is the guy on third and three at Michigan? I think McCray. But he's not going to be there. Because his knee's going to be blown up. <laughs> You're right. So let's talk about let's talk I mean, about a real possibility. Hurt each of the first first games of the season. Let's let's talk about a very realistic possibility. Then if he's hurt, and then he healed and was just gone for three weeks. Which they were where they say about, mental. He had and, the flu. Yeah. He was getting. He was sneeze. Like it was just very weird. Agreed. So if he's out. It's like I agree saying with you. Mike Epstein's going to be your lead back. Well, that's a nice idea. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. But he. Or the way I got with Dudek towards yeah, the end, I mean, which is a shame. It's, it's no, I'm not. It's not personal. No, that's just. Well, I'm two for two on Josh. You know, bulldozing his way through a non-conference defender and and getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's what Reggie Love, and some mixture of these Jordan Anderson, Aiden Lawfrey, promising. They might be good. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. What if Luke Altmaier is an inaccurate quarterback and Reggie Love is your starting running back and both are ineffective? What do you do? Well, you're kind of screwed. You kind of are. <laughs> and that could happen. It could. It, it is weird because they could have went out and gotten a transfer guy. But so then and that they chose goes, not to. So I think... If and I, I think w- choice is key because yes. there was no rumblings of them even trying. Nope. So I think that goes back to my deepest um, confliction here is that I trust Brett Bielema 110%, which in general, is, by the way, is just amazing that we're like maybe 24 months into his tenure more or less. And I'm like, fine, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, for an Illinois football coach, like, that's unheard. of. What's that? You want to hire so and so? Sure, I bet it'll be great. Fine. Like I'm, I'm just totally in his corner. So that's the conflict of. I look at some of these position groups and I think there's no proven X factor here at all. But then at the same time, he didn't. He either chose the people in that position group or didn't do anything to improve it. And so that's that's where I'm like, should I be concerned? Because it seems like he's not, and I trust him. Mm-hmm. That's my conflict. <laughs> Fair. I I think that I will kind of focus on Reggie Love in the last, let's say, two and a half games of the year. Well, really more specifically last game and a half. And I know that's Northwestern's defense and the moments that he had against Mississippi State, which defensively surprised me how good they were or how bad you were as an offense in general. I don't think Chase, let, let me put it this way. I don't know if Chase Brown in that bowl game necessarily makes a difference the way that game was going unless he is just goes god mode as the kids say these days Mm -hmm. because like he needs an extra 50 yards to break some all-time record and he just goes ridiculous i don't think he does either yeah so i think that with the offense i am cautiously optimistic based on the ability presumably from everything we're hearing that they will have more of a deep ball more of a home run threat 
and again, I keep going back to Malik Elzey only because they keep saying his name, but also the, a guy like Pat Bryant who showed a lot before he got hurt last year, but I think can be reliable. I, you know, Isaiah Williams is kind of a Swiss Army knife. And I, I like Brian Hightower. I really did and thought, oh, well, kind of sucks to lose him. But yeah. I think the way that Casey stepped up late I in agree. the year for a possession guy on a third and six. Number 14 is going to be getting that call a lot from Altmaier, who's a younger quarterback. Because Hightower was sort of your chain mover, right? Chain mover with the occasional brilliant catch. Yeah. Yep. And, he, and even that Indiana one that was clearly a catch that they said wasn't a catch. A catch twice. I'm not <laughs> I'm not worried about the wide receiver room either yeah. that much. I think Pat Bryan is good. Casey can be a down mover. Isaiah's your, you know, he can be a jet sweep. He could heck. I'd be. I wouldn't be surprised if he's sort of a pseudo running back sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not that they would just line him up straight and send him into the into the trenches, but you know, let's say Reggie isn't having a great game and McCray's in a boot. I could see a situation where you'd have some mixture of the other guys back there, but then also have uh, Isaiah back there, sort of like the the 49ers do that with their guy Debo Samuel. Yep, McCaffrey's amazing, but then they've got him on the other side of the quarterback almost at all times in the backfield. So I could definitely see some type of role where. If the running backs were ineffective at times, you could use him to sort of mitigate that. So I'm not that concerned about wide receiver. It's just that it's sort of like saying, well, we kind of are saying this with basketball. Okay, you have a point guard who's never played a game, and your group of shooting guards are all improving, but they all shot 25% from three last year. (laughs) You could say, well, what if the point guard is great and all these guys have improved their shooting? That could be amazing. You're banking on natural development. Correct. And I think in year three, we saw enough from one to two that we can hang our hat on a bit of that. Yep. You just hope, and this is where back to the running back conversation, you really hope to match the running back output from last year, which really, apart from Chase Brown, it was non-existent. And you I were don't think sti- it should be that hard. I don't think it should be that hard from either. From a number perspective. Cumulative, yes, correct. Yes. And I do think that if Tommy DeVito had remained healthy, and his ankle hadn't been bothering him. It was a different offense when he could scramble. Look at the Iowa game, and I think it was the first series of that game when he got hurt. Yep. And it was a crucial scramble that led to a first down. And boy, he, he tried on the bike and the tent, everything to get back out there. It just wasn't in the cards. But that was a different dynamic. And Altmaier is apparently a better runner than Tommy ever was. And that they're really excited about his that mobility. That does intrigue me. That intrigues me too. Another and, comment that has slipped out there that you think you would hear the opposite of that if it wasn't going Correct. well, right? That, let's say if Wes Lunt were coming in the season <laughs> starter, I'm scared to death. Yes. For a variety of reasons, but one is that you don't have that safety valve of, well, if everything else breaks down, at least he can go and get you a first down. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Altmaier can do that. And okay. even if Reggie Love can be 80% of Josh Ferguson, that's a really good running back. There's, I don't think there's any reason he can't because he was a highly regarded recruit He's got the look. The coaches decided, yeah, we don't need to go get anyone else. We got Reggie Love. And I think the McCray thing was, well, let's. I I would like to think the coaching staff thought to themselves, well, we can't count on McCray. Mm -hmm. So they entered an offseason with one veteran running back they could count on, Reggie Love, and said, we're going to stand pat. That, to me, you're right, though. It is a weird kind of thing to balance. But it was intentional. I I think it was intentional. Again, you would think we would hear something. Oh, they were in the mix for fill-in-the-blank Oklahoma running back, but he ultimately chose Florida. Yeah. So then at least you can go, okay, well, they, they did try to get somebody, but they didn't. So it, it, you, would, you, would, you wouldn't think with how prepared and, again, intentional Brett is that, that you would leave something out there like that hanging 
if you didn't already feel pretty darn good about what you have. So we're whittling down our, our concerns here, and I think that we still agree the unknown of quarterback, the oh god of special teams, which uh, is unusual for a Bielema team, the fact that we have not seen Reggie Love other than flashes be a feature back that effectively. I would just call it like a murky group. Murky's good. Right? Because yeah. there, there could be four really good guys, there could be two, there could be none. I don't really know. Wide receivers were good, tight ends, or I say, I say whatever, they're going to block more than they're going to catch, and that's just what it is. Though Tip Ryman, there's another. If you want to talk about development, yeah, I mean Tip Ryman sounds like a name you and Harry and I would just make fun of the mm-hmm. first year for playing two snaps a game, but being on our fantasy roster. And I'm know. comfortable with him being. And the now starting it's like, yeah, sure, he, he, maybe he gets drafted. That's crazy that we're saying maybe Tip Ryman gets drafted. Yeah, and Off- yet it's true. Offensive line. I mean, do we say the right side? Maybe, but if you sure. got Chrysler there, and it sounds like Geski or Slaughter, and I think the point is you have enough depth now. Yeah, it felt like. With the good, lovey offensive lines, they were good, but what if Kramer went down? What if Palcho went? Like, as soon as one of those guys got hurt, there was nobody in the B group mm-hmm. that was even remotely up to snuff to be with the A group. Now it feels like the B group is much closer to the A group. Right. I think that why I'm excited about the offensive line is that Altmeyer, the concern is keeping him healthy. And if he's going to be scrambling, that's going to be even more of a concern. But that's just college football. You, you kind of take it. But him being a righty and having arguably the best left side of the line of any Big Ten West team, I just like that extra layer of protection. At least if he is going to get sacked, he's going to see it coming. Yep. And uh, to me, if you're going to have a weak side of that line, let it be the right or whatever the throwing side is for the quarterback. So, And not to get too meatball-y about this because it's a cliche that I usually roll my eyes at. But there is something to... Uh, the idea of your backup center is getting much better because he's facing Kofi in practice. It's probably a good thing that your offensive line is having to at least attempt to block Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, and everybody else coming at them for what they're going to face in Big Ten play because I don't think it gets better than that. In it the Big it Ten. doesn't hurt, and I got to think that when you play the likes of a Toledo in week one, there's not a Newton and Randolph over there, and you'd like to think that where we really shine against a MAC team, however good they may be, is in the trenches. We didn't have that in Lovey's first year when I mean, Western I don't Michigan know if we had this. that hardly ever. Right. In the, I mean, how many games in the last decade could you point to and say the reason why you won that game was they got eight sacks and got to the quarterback a dozen times? I feel like, oddly enough, one of the strengths of the 15, the Cubit year, was the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Chunky Clements was out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there was one other guy whose name escapes me, but they were solid. In fact, I think they were trailing by a field goal or touchdown to Ohio State at halftime that year at home. That was one the, of those teams yeah. you should bring up with Harry because I'm sure he'll get more triggered about it than I would. I'm excited to talk about him. Having obviously talked to been him about a it. part of it, but that was one of those teams where they're four and one right yeah. after they beat Nebraska. Mm-hmm. because Mike Riley, right? That was the Nebraska. Mike Riley play. decided to pass for it. on third and fourth down and doesn't get it. We were walking out of the stadium. <laughs> the game and, was over. No, we were walking out of the stadium, but what we decided to do, we're sitting on the East Main. It was actually kind of a crummy day. It was. No, bad weather for yeah. sure. Yeah. So the stadium wasn't that full by then. One People of those afternoon out. games that turned into a night game just because it kept going and it was such crummy weather. I'm guessing it was a 2.30 start. I think it was, but it was got dark. You know, it was windy. Not much happened rainy. for most of it. No. There was also the five-down possession. Yeah, I forget right. when that was. But right. so, it was earlier in that game. Yeah, so my dad and I and, and my friend Alan, <laughs> who randomly came to the game with us, were walking around the stadium, and before we exit, we're in the Great West Hall, and I just say to my dad, <sighs> like, knowing the timeout situation, this game is over, mm-hmm. but let's just, okay, it, we got the right. little TVs in the Great West right. Hall. Let's just see what... 
Why is Mike Riley passing it? We waltzed right back in, and now we're standing on the goal line of the south end zone watching the rest of the game happen, mm -hmm. and there was pass interference in the corner, About pass interference times. in the corner. Yeah. It was actually brilliant that Cubit kept calling it. Yeah. Worst case is going to be pass interference to Geronimo Allison. Yep. yep, it's just like, you know, trying to take a charge on the last play of a bat, like make the official yeah. try not to call that. It was know? great, and he ended up winning that game, and we went to Iowa City the next week for 93-5, and... Yep. Had a really good game against Iowa. Keyshawn Vaughn throws a pass. Remember that? Yeah, he threw a or pass after like a he was concussed. Play. Yeah, he was concussed. That's he a cubic call. The game. It's a trick play. He gets picked off, and then the game's over. <sighs> Anyways, talk to Harry about that because he'll yeah, get much I, more upset about it than I. I will, will try to remember about that, but I know that year was frustrating for him because they should have won the bowl game. They did have good trench play that. They year. did have good trench play, and that made a difference. It just so happened that you had a quarterback that was a statue and. You had some good skill position players, but nothing that reliable. And I think the back seven probably wasn't all that great on no. defense. Okay, so we're good about the offensive line, the defensive line. Okay, I mean, it's we're more than good about well, that. We're more than good about that. And I'm excited to see the rotation at nose tackle because, again, you feel like you would start hearing things right. of, oh, well, it's not right. going great. Uh, T-Raw Edwards had a pretty good season last year. It's really just fill space. Fill space, let the other two guys do their work. And what excites me the most, honestly, Trevor, is that between – the Newton and Randolph talk, it's the fact that you have Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman on the outside. Who can be really, really good. And, I mean, and Ackes had why, flashes last year oh, yeah. where he was like the best player on the field. That is why <laughs> I really like the first two weeks. The strength of the opponents, two quarterbacks that can run. And you, I think, have the kind of athletes that can contain. If you contain, you win. I yep. think. I agree. I think. And that goes for both of them. Unless the secondary is so bad. Let, let, let's say and we'll Scott get to doesn't that. come back or whatever. Yeah. You know, Unless Kansas is just carving you up on deep balls all night long and it doesn't matter, I think I agree with that statement that you win. I think the return of Tariq Barnes is big. I mean, linebacker, it's kind of a forgotten position. Mm -hmm. A traditional middle linebacker in this thing. But uh, losing C.J. Hart, not a big deal. I mean, you got Tariq Barnes and some dudes. I don't know. I if you ask me to do the two or three deep there, I'd actually struggle. I, well, Shimon Cooper's not here anymore, right? Yeah, that's right. And then that was a guy who you thought, four-star, he committed to you on TV, he's going to be the next you know, middle linebacker to anchor that unit like a, a Jonathan Brown or something like that. But I, I don't know, and I don't really care. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Defensive backs, I mean, Taz Nicholson I feel great about. I feel really good about Strain as another cornerback, the way he played late in last season. And the Matthew Bailey thing is a concern. Bailey, but, not Scott. Who am I calling well, Scott? Well, because there is a Scott. And by the way, is Scott, it Miles correct? or Xavier? Because I keep hearing Miles as well, but I'm pretty sure it's oh, Xavier. See, this is where there's a difference between... Xavier Scott was 14, I think, right. on defense yep. and is slated to be a safety. Okay. Sure. And him and either <laughs> Nicario Harper or... There was another guy they added. Demetrius Hill, so Clayton a, Bush. Just as an aside, though, there's another position where they added like three guys. Right. So that would tell you, if you're reading, again, the Brett Bielma confidence tea leaves, that that was something he truly didn't feel that great about until he at least was able to add some depth. And that probably goes back to your point about a running back or whatever else that they didn't. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty aggressive about the secondary, so wouldn't he have been pretty aggressive about adding a running back if he thought he needed to? Yeah, you'd think so. And that's why the defensive backs, honestly, I'm kind of less scared and more excited. I'm intrigued. They have the I size and athleticism, for sure. Mm -hmm. that, that's not going to be a concern, and now it really just comes down to don't give up the big... For the early games, just don't give up the big play. I don't need takeaways from them necessarily, just don't give up the home run, and I think you win the first two if you avoid giving up the home run. 
But uh, and if you avoid wholeheartedly losing the fundamentals slash clock management slash special teams angle of the game, which I mean, if you get two punts blocked in the Kansas game, forget it. You're not, you're not going to win that game. And that I mean, you could literally. I would, hope, I would hope the other systemic parts of special teams are figured out. Yeah. And if the block, but then again, if you got Caleb Griffin punting for the fourth time all year on a crazy in front of a crazy crowd in Lawrence, Kansas on a Friday night. I don't know. I think being a punter and being a punt returner are the two scariest positions on the yeah, football field. I would agree with you. There. I wouldn't do I, I wouldn't do anything on a football <laughs> punt field. Punt returner it has to be the worst. Because so, you're looking up, <laughs> but you're having that intangible sense in your peripheral. A stampede is coming 11, at you. 250-pound guys charging at you trying to kill you. Yeah. And, and your job is to hang on to the ball. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about a mental psyche test. Yeah. It's punt returning. <laughs> so all this, despite all the turnover in the defensive backfield, we still feel very good about the defense. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, which he, is odd because I think a true outsider, right? Someone who writes Lindy's Sports Magazine or Athlon or whatever, they would look at it and say, not only did you lose your best defensive players, at least in the secondary, you also lost the guy coaching them. You lost both aspects of it. You lost both the player facet and the coach facet from a unit that was really good. And yet, I don't really feel that much worse about it. I, I really don't. Let's talk about expectations for each, for offense, defense, and let's do it based in the 14-team Big Ten. Where does each unit need to finish about for you to feel like this is on trajectory to be a good season? And by good, seven, maybe yeah. eight wins. I mean, I think the answer is connected, right? Like, if the offense is going to finish seventh, which I think would be incredible. I think you're winning a lot of games. If they I, th- I think so, too. Let's say ninth. I'll say ninth. Okay. If I say ninth, though, I have to say three. For the defense, maybe two. Maybe if I this say is it. if I say seven, I have to say five for the defense. So maybe that we we come up with a cumulative number. Yeah. And what number do they need to hit in totality for us to feel good? And you each you did twelve there. Yes. So that averages out to be six in each. Yep. And in the Big Ten West, that's going to do it. Yep. I think I think if you are straight middle of the pack in every unit, and it'll even out, right? Obviously, you'd probably be like one in the trenches, but if you're 14th in punting, you know, whatever. If you're straight middle of the pack all the way across, that's a 7-5 and five season easily mm-hmm. with the West the way it is. Yeah, so we could go all the way to 14 and you'd still feel good. Yeah. About, yeah. Well, let's talk about the schedule. And the first three games we've talked about a bit, I, I told you I think they do start 2-0, and but it seems like you're more in the 1-1, one and one, and I think that's a safe pick in a way because... It's early, and with the unknowns, yeah. that's when it could bite you the most. I think you lose one of Kansas or Penn State, and my concern would be you lose Kansas, and then Penn State is a monster. Because they might be. They have a new quarterback, Drew Aller, who's a five-star quarterback. Mm-hmm. Felt like he was sitting for five years behind Clifford and their their string of, I mean, let's just call it mediocre white guy quarterbacks for the last decade, all yeah. the way from <laughs> Hackenberg on, these, these guys who were great at Penn State and then don't really have a great professional career. He's supposed to be much better than any of them. I mean, they were really talking about him as like Dark Horse Heisman. Uh, they put out that freak list, the freaks list of college football, like the just the players who are just freaks on the field. Every team had one or two, and Penn State had six hmm. on the list between offense and defense combined. So now the other side of that is I don't think James Franklin can coach himself out of a phone booth <laughs> at times. I mean, I really do think that I question he is that as well. way overhyped as a coach. Great I, recruiter. I really do think that. Um I don't know if he I don't know if he has it in him 
to truly go like eleven and one. I don't even win the Big Ten title and go to the playoff. I it's really fair don't to say that's the their first that. test of the year. Yeah, I would and, agree. and for a young quarterback, well, at least an experienced quarterback against this defensive line, let's let's try it out. And you know, if you want to throw that out there, Altmaier was a four-star quarterback and was the same class as this kid. So you could say both quarterbacks are really going into one of their first tests um, for that. You know, it would be Kansas for Altmaier, and then it would be here for Aller. And I, I certainly hope that that's the best environment you've had since North Carolina lovey. I think 2-0 would go a long way to doing that. It would. I, I think that if you were to lose one of the first two, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere anyway because the 10,000 new season tickets, you'll get to 50. And most people I think if you win two, I think you get Targeting that as a game they'd go to regardless of what happens the first two games. Yeah. Um, I think that's a that, – I don't know if that's the swing game because I don't think you're supposed to win. I think Penn State will be average probably minus six and a half despite yeah, being on the road, something like that. Um, but I, my fear would be you're one and one going into that game, and then not like the Penn State game where you were tied in the third quarter, then you lost 63-20 to 20 or mm-hmm. whatever. But my fear would be you're tied in the third quarter and you lose 27-17, then you're one and two, and you're just, just the, the air is let out of the balloon a little bit to where it's like, okay, so where are we going at this point? Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is I think the next little quadrant we can talk about is much lighter. In the first pod back, I, I broke it down. You said quadrant, just like Lovey did the quarters. Well, yeah. I think it actually is apt for this 12-game mm-hmm. schedule because the second three, I think you're going to go 3-0. and oh. And especially, you know, the interesting thing is let's say you start 1-2. and two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mentioned like if we lose to Kansas, you actually think, well, we might have a better shot of winning Penn State. Or if you lose to Toledo, I think we're going to win to Kansas. And I do think yeah. there's a track record to suggest that with Bielma. Especially because you're going to get an extra day for Penn State. Right. Because it's a Friday game. Love those extra days. And then you have Florida Atlantic at home. We don't know the game time for that. That's Saturday. And then you have a Saturday game night at Purdue. And yep. listen, I know you didn't get up for them last year for whatever reason. And that just sucks. I have no questions whatsoever with the narratives behind that game that we will channel it in a positive way. I think the first quarter is going to be like, oh, like Purdue will get some garbage touchdown. And you think, is this, are we really doing this again? And then I think the talent discrepancy will really start to show up. You know how you said we could bet a hundred bucks that he's going to mention the Friday night. If I had to do the same thing, I would say I would bet you a thousand dollars they're gonna smoke Purdue. I genuinely believe they're gonna smoke Purdue. I think that if is if I could put my stamp on one thing this season. Smoke by what? Three or three I touchdowns. I think they're blowing more? out Purdue. That's the one thing I'm putting my stamp on. I, I think it's gonna be forty to ten. I think there are enough guys returning from <laughs> last and this is why overall I'm excited about the season, that there's enough guys returning and Isaiah said this paraphrasing and it really sums it up for me that last year they learned that they can win every game and that's great. But they also have a chip on their shoulder because they let something get away from them. Yes. And that, I think, are the two best truths that a team with all these veterans can hold. And that and alone would be enough revenge narrative, just that Purdue... They kept you out of Indy. Kept you out of Indy. But then Plain you, and simple. Then you throw in the fact that for half of these defenders, all they've heard about for half of the offseason is that the guy that taught them how to be good defenders is now the Purdue head coach. And like, you think that doesn't piss Bielma off, too? Oh, you know he's I, I, I don't care how many times Jeremy or anyone else says that it's a fun, loving... Oh, I hate it. They have respect for each other. I think Bielma hates Ryan Walters now. I think he might. He would never admit it, but I bet in his heart of hearts, he he's like, you little turd. I think he respects him. Of course. And I think yeah. he... But but to, to, to even suggest any notion that 
if Ryan texted him asking for help, he would offer advice or I just don't buy it. No. I think it pissed him off. And so I, that's why I really think if you combine what Purdue did to you last year and yeah. what Brett is doing against opponents in these revenge games, mm-hmm. I, I really think. Plus, I don't think Purdue's that good. Hudson Card's a good quarterback, but I don't think Ryan Walters knows enough yet of what he's doing to stem a tide if Illinois were to hit you for three touchdowns in the second quarter and go up 21-7. Yeah, I, I don't think defensively they have much of anything. No. And then, and I, I said the same thing before we played them last November, but I do think that another part of this is Jeff Brom is a very good coach. Yep. I mean, Louisville's a top 10 or 12 team, right? The, that's he knows the kind what of he's doing. that's the kind of respect that he garners, and I, I wonder. I know that. Oh God, who was the mustachioed guy at Purdue that had success? Not Hope, but the one before that. Hope had no success. I don't even know. Uh, the Darryl, one that Daryl Hazel was terrible. <laughs> yeah, the one that coached uh, Breeze Tiller, Tedford Tiller, Joe Tiller, right? Sure. Anywho, but that's rare, and their yeah. whole identity when they are successful is based on a really good offense and a serviceable defense. And not that Ryan Walters can't accomplish that as a head coach if he has a good guy like I think it's Graham Harrell calling plays over there, who's solid. I just don't know if they have the guys right now. I just now. think he's limited. Yeah. But certainly in his first year. So back to the schedule in general. We feel good about those two. I feel very good about those two games. Me too. And which then... is why I honestly think they're going to be one and two, but I honestly don't care. Hmm. And that for me, and that's why if they are two and one, yeah, yeah or yeah. God forbid, all it, of a, here's the thing: if they're two and zero oh and you're going to that Penn State game, it's big not just for that game, but the idea that wait a second, we know what's on the other side of this. Yep. If you were to start three and zero, oh, and you'd be beating a top ten team, yeah, Penn State will be ranked tenth or higher because they're already ranked, I think, fifteenth. And then they have a couple. Oh, of, I think they're seventh or eighth. Oh, okay. In the AP. All right. And then they have yeah, they're a couple, top ten. They have a couple cupcake games at home. I think to start. They always out. do that. So that's why, um, actually, you know, if we were to find a silver lining, and I agree with you, I'd rather take the the Minnesota from the Glenn Mason era was three cupcakes and win four games in the Big Ten, go mm-hmm. to a bowl game. I don't mind that. I want to win games, but I do think in terms of preparing you for that marquee matchup against Penn State, you will be ready, more ready than they are based on the talent that you've yeah. already played. So the upside is, what if you do win? Say you're down, what if you're down five and Altmaier leads you to a last second win at Kansas? Mm-hmm. I mean, look out. Like, like what, what, if, what if everyone genuinely does look good in those first two games? You have way more momentum going into that Penn State game sure. than Penn State does. Yeah. Penn State is, they're so good that they're on the defensive, right? That They're like, okay, we got to get through this to Ohio State and Michigan towards the end of our schedule. We got to go 8 no. There's no way we can't go 8 no. Like, I love playing teams like that. Me too. Be- especially when you're you're somewhat good because you have nothing to lose in a sense and they have everything to lose. It sounds like you're leaning one and two the first I three. Am. I'm leaning two and one. So let's just keep that in mind. Okay. And for the second three, we actually think they're going to sweep the second three because Nebraska is the Friday night home game. I'm not feeling them yet. I'm not either. I think Rule is a good coach. Yeah. And, and I think they added enough talent to go six and six and allow their fans to think, okay, fine. Like, at least we just don't have a literal dope behind the wheel of this of this vehicle yeah. driving us off a cliff. Um, I think you will beat them, though. Okay, so you're going 3-0 oh in the second three. I am as well. Yep. So that puts me, I mean, I know, <laughs> at 5-1. and one, That puts you at 4-2, and two, and either one of those is really good. I just haven't seen be. enough to say, yep, 5-1. and one. I get That's it. I I'm get doing. it. I, and so, I, so, so I'm being slightly gun-shy and going 4-2. I, I am going against my gut, my Illini fandom gut yeah. with the first two games and saying, wait a second, look at the matchups. You have an advantage in both. You have the coaching staff. You'll win even if it ain't pretty. 
but if I'm five and one, you're four and two, the next three, I think, tell the tale of the season in terms mm-hmm. of is it really, really good or merely acceptable? And that would be at Maryland, which we'll talk about this. At Maryland, Wisconsin at home, which I actually feel pretty decent about, and then Minnesota on the road. And then I think you get your bye week. Yes. Yeah. So at Maryland, I, I just don't circle like no, I circle that as that you aren't gonna win. And I can't really give you much more than that. I should feel better like against it. Mike Loxley, but mm. it's also and this has nothing to do with anything, it's also the first game ever for Illinois on Peacock. And it just <laughs> it's always it, one of those there's things. There's just something about the fact that it's an eleven AM game against Beth a Mullins pretty on the call. A pretty good Maryland team. <laughs> the announcers are going to suck. Mm-hmm. And the only way to watch it is on a streaming service. Right. It just I just feel I just feel the old people on Twitter. I can't see it. What's happening? How do you get? How <laughs> Only do you get to this to piss game? you off more as we yes. go down ten to correct, nothing. Correct. Someone is in like the, a message board forum halfway through the game saying, "Oh, uh, what, what network is what, it again?" What's Peacock. I can't find it down. You know, it just seems like the perfect storm of stupid to me. I will that be in Vegas, seems... so I'm okay with okay, this fine. being the stinker because <laughs> I'll have other things to worry about that day. It that also... to me, honestly, Trevor. If they win, I'm ecstatic. I agree. I more agree. more than many games on the schedule because I am oddly going in with no expectation that they're they're going to win that game at all. Well, I think Tugavailoa is a really good quarterback. If you were to rank the quarterbacks who have a deep ball, and we talk about maybe one concern being what if the secondary could give up some plays here and there, that's a game where... Again, the streaming service cuts back late from a from an online commercial, and you they've scored. Yeah, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, so and so takes it seventy yards to the house on the first play of the drive. I can just see it happening. It doesn't feel good. I, no, I just that's. I, I but know. but let's say you do, and then you got homecoming against Wisconsin. Now I know they added talent. It's hard. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of there's like, more unknowns the with West. them. Yeah, no, I completely than Illinois, agree. and I, I don't know how to read Wisconsin. Well, I do know how to read Northwestern, that they're going to stink. But Which is great. You know, you know what I mean. There was a lot of turnover, and I don't really know how to read Kansas because they had a good year out of nowhere, and it's like, was that a flash in the pan, or does Lance Leipold really know what he's doing? Mm-hmm. And Wisconsin might be number one on the list of, I, I don't really know. I don't think they should well, be Well, no favored. more than. I yes, mean, certainly. Yes, yes. And I wish you got them earlier, perhaps. I agree. However... I do think that just still being the Bielema former school thing, and I, I just look at... But the problem is they, they vanquished that. So They, they vanquished you, that, that's true, but I do think the way that you beat them last year, a couple of wide receivers in the transfer portal aren't going to fix that. No. New quarterback in the transfer portal is not going to fix that. That game was physical domination, the likes of... not I, Iowa physically matched you, if not outmatched you, for much of that game. I mean, that, that game, I was puckered up the entire freaking time against Iowa. Minnesota and Wisconsin were feather soft. Well, they weren't even matches. And you, you kind of rolled over them. <laughs> and I don't know what that, year to year, that probably doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. But you know what? I just can't see, it, it did once. It flipped from Illinois losing 28 to nothing to Illinois winning by 20-some points. Can it flip again? Of course it could. I think it'll be a really good game and a close game, but... Um, maybe, hey, you know, maybe Bielema digs back into that bag of tricks, guys. <laughs> Homecoming, two years ago, this Wisconsin team beat us 28 nothing. I don't care what happened last year. We got whatever. I, I, I do think that I just don't like just better. I don't like having Luke Fickle and Wisconsin being the team with the chip on your shoulder against you. I, I don't Fair. love that because I think he's a very good coach, and I think Wisconsin is still a good program. I think it'll be a close game. If I, look, I'm going to split Maryland-Wisconsin. 
I, I agree with so that. So let's say they beat Wisconsin, or they go on the road, beat Maryland, and they lose to Wisconsin. And then Minnesota on the road. And you've had great success against them two years in a row, and they do not scare me. Their quarter Is it Katz's uh, whatever in the quarterback I that came in late last year? for their sake, because that guy looked like a 15-year-old deer in the headlights once Morgan got hurt and left that game. I feel like this is the game where I am going back to the law of averages. There's nothing that should tell me that Minnesota will beat you. Other than the fact that you've had two good ones in a row against them, and like Harry Black often says, they're due. <laughs> well, Bielema is really due because he's 9-0 and in his career against Minnesota. Wow. He never lost to them at Wisconsin in seven years. So I just put, I, I honestly circle that in the Maryland games, even though, well, even though hey, Bielema's teams do pretty well on the road. And yet I circle those two games and yeah. think, I don't know. That's a tough three-game stretch there, man. I am I- going to, for the sake of... Trying to balance out the first three. My overall confidence is that between the first three and the third three. Yep. That they will go three, three and three. three. Yeah. Okay. With a three and oh sandwiched <laughs> in the middle to get you to six and three. Mm-hmm. That's how I think it will shake out. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to call both the first three and the second three, one and two. Okay. So, so I'm that at could five and four. Five and four. You're I'm at six and three. Six and three. Good news is even a five and four. Here are the last three. Mm-hmm. You have Indiana at home. You're going to win. Tom Allen's a dead man walking. Yes. And the quarterback, is the quarterback still the guy that came into that Purdue game? Running around. To be a farmer and like nearly killed himself on the field. Oh, that's right. That kid. Well, before that, they had a running quarterback <laughs> that gave him a little bit of a spark. But that's then right. he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You win that game. And that puts you at six and four. And it puts me at seven and three. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine if that were the case, you are still in a wide open Big Ten West race because I don't think Cade McNamara and I was going to be sitting there ten and or nine and one. I'll be honest. The what tells you if this is a very good season, and I would call last year, given the circumstances, still a very Absolutely. good season. Yeah, is if you are playing for something at Iowa. Yep. If you are, it's still a very good season because you know what comes after that. Yep. And <laughs> with the footnote that it's if someone goes eleven and zero and you still have a really good nine and three, like what are you going to do? And if that's, but I that's don't okay, think, I don't think someone's going to in the exactly. Big West, and but. you know what? If that did happen, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's okay because I'm really looking at the long game here, and yep. I just want sustained success. Same. This doesn't need, and we'll end the podcast with what what we're looking for. But let's just say for the sake of argument, you lose at Iowa, whatever. Okay, and then that still gets me to eight and four, and that still gets you to seven and yeah. five. So my my. I am probably in the like tenth percentile of skepticism, and I'm saying they're going seven and five. So let like zoom out a little bit. I'm not that skeptical about it, right? I just think that the, in the toss up matchups, there's going to be more that you lose this year than you did last year. But so I would take seven and five so quickly if you handed it to me right now. So let's skip to December. I'd, I'd take it. How strong is the argument that Illinois could win the Big Ten West in your mind? I think it's. Uh, I, I think it's. <laughs> it, it's strong. But that combines the factors of the things that are toss-ups for you falling more to the positive side, and then also everyone around you still just kind of being a, a mush of, of, of mediocre, mm-hmm. which I think is entirely possible. Like, I think you could go 7-5 and five in my skeptical scenario and still win it. There have been worse teams with worse records in the Big Ten title game. Absolutely. And that would honestly be where losing one of the first two games, frustrating as it would be in the moment, doesn't hurt you with that. Because also, Kansas... So of my five losses, I've got Kansas, Penn State, and Maryland as three of them, Mm -hmm. which means you're only losing two Big Ten West games. Yeah. 
and likely a mix of Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's entirely possible. And I think, well, I'd have to check their schedules, but I, I feel as if all three of them either play Michigan or Ohio State. I think they do. And you get the Penn State. Yep. And which, you get the Indiana, whereas... Hey, I mean, all things considered... Our crossover games could be worse. You get the tough game at home, Penn State, and then your other two are Maryland. It's I tough. you're going to lose that game. It's Me tough. Too. It's on the road. And then Indiana at home. I mean, it could have been worse. I do like, though, that in our calculations, we both factored in Maryland as a loss, and it's Mike Loxley as our freaking coach. I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> he, you could do worse than him, but I yeah. do like our coaching staff versus Mike Loxley. I like our coaching staff versus most. Do revenge games, can they can they transfer one, two seasons? <laughs> I, don't can we, know, I don't know about that. Do you think anyone on that team cares about the Maryland game from 2021? I, I, I think it has to be direct. <laughs> I don't think there's any long-standing carryover revenge. That's games. fair. Okay, so our expectations you have that little bit more skepticism yet find your way to seven and five i got eight and four here's what i think the beautiful thing of this season is a big 10 west title would be unbelievable i mean it, it would for this team i know that's what they're talking about mm-hmm. and that that gives me a lot of confidence that from a mental perspective they are not going to be checked out at any point this season and even if things get really good the good news is the last year they got really good and they saw what happened mm-hmm. i like that balance i like that check and balance there but you know what? You give me Music City Bowl on New Year's Eve in Nashville, I'm happy as a clam. Yeah. I'm an, I think his fans were in a great place. Give me the same bowl and I'm happy. I mean, I got, I, I hey, doubt, Tampa was great. I doubt you go to the same bowl twice in a row, but if you're playing on New Year's Day again or New Year's Eve or whatever it was against an SEC team, fine. Oddly enough, it was January 2nd Okay, because it was an NFL Sunday on New Year's but Day. But that's two straight yeah. years you're playing on ESPN Maine on, on a day where everybody's off against an SEC team at noon. Like, that's great. If you're in Nashville or Florida, it's been a very good year. Yep. And, uh, you know, listen, we can talk about If there's a 6-6, six and six, I sit here right now and I tell you, honestly, the 6-6, six and six, there would be mild disappointment. It would be tempered with the fact that you would make another bowl game. I think all it would really serve to do is make it where, please win the bowl game. Right. Because <laughs> I hate 6-7. Six 6-7 and, six seven. and, seven, six is and seven is disgusting. 7-6 is much, much better. Yes, just yes. just like how when Lubby couldn't beat Northwestern to go 7-5 uh, and, and you knew you were staring down the barrel at 6-7. That should sign right there. Yes. We went in. I there were many I, I signs remember, of Lovey. By I know, the way, I know. But that but was if one. you remember after the four-game win streak, they went to Iowa and they narrowly lost. Yeah. And I remember us sitting there in your basement, going, "I feel great. I think that was better than any of the four wins because they actually looked like they competed with the big boys in the trenches with Iowa." And then you turn around and you lose to a two and nine Northwestern team in the rain on Senior Day to a fourth-string quarterback to Andrew Marty. Who just ran it up the middle. Who just ran it up the middle every single play. He should have been fired on the spot. At that point, regardless <laughs> of the goodwill the previous month had garnered. That Gone. Should, uh, it, it, uh, I remember watching that. You went to the Red Box Bowl. Yeah. God bless you for yep, it. Yep. I mean, we had, family, had family out there, so we yeah. kind of just spun it into a family trip. It was not a fun experience. No. I, I mean, it just wasn't. Nothing memorable about that game. No, and then I got COVID. That's right. <laughs> and I didn't know it. <laughs> That's right. You were one of the very first to get it. Came Lucky back, you. Went to the went to the convenient care, and you're just coughing. You can't figure it out. I, they tested me for flu. Didn't have the flu. They were just mystified. They didn't know what it was. Huh. So so you might have had one of those really early cases. Yep. Wow. Have you had it since? Uh, yes, one more time. Okay. Yep. Was it easier the second time? Uh, yes, but the second time I had no taste or smell. Which was brutal hmm. for me. Yeah, that was when uh, I was on a laptop here for the Arizona. Oh yeah, game your little head was, and my head was there, <laughs> sort of like a, a robot or something. <laughs> well, uh, I I love that we're sitting here, 13 days away from the season, with genuine excitement, and also being able to temper that with, 
I often say with Illinois football fans, we don't need that much. We really don't. And for me, it's just give me a reason to be excited on Saturday. I think that them just winning seven plus games this year does so much to really just set a baseline for this. This is huge, I think. Like just in general for the next decade or whatever, if you're Josh Whitman or something, you're taking like a a big breath before this year. Like, okay, here we go. Because this is the one that's like, you know, okay, that was nice last year. And Mm -hmm. it was more than nice. We all know that. Yeah. But from a a, a larger macro perspective to do it back to back years for what would be the first time since technically 2010, 2011. Yeah. But again, that didn't feel the same. You literally lost your last seven games or whatever in 2011. Like it just, Hey six, they won the craft fight hunger bowl. That's right. Don't forget that double interim coaches uh, in the San Francisco giants, uh, baseball stadium. But, um, I think, I think this does wonders for you long-term because I think this, if you do go seven and five or better cements Bielema to me as like, I mean, we said before we already trust him implicitly, but this is to a level where it's like, dude, you do whatever the hell you want. And I'm with you. Like he could go five and seven the third year, and I'd still be like, okay. After this year, you mean? Yeah. If they, if, yeah. if they went seven and five this year, and something weird happened the third year, I would not be concerned that that you were now going to be in a downward trajectory for the next three years or. Something. It would suck, but I agree with you. Yeah, it's the same thing where it wouldn't feel like, oh, this is the Ron Turner Ron Zook all over again. Mm-hmm. I think we know it's not. Yep. Um, but now it's just a question of to what level can they have? What level are they going to sustain that success? And for all I know, this is the exciting part. Just as the fearful part is, well, if everything goes wrong, they do have a basement of like five wins here. The two fears are if everything goes wrong, they have a basement. They do. And honestly, my second fear is that they're confident. Oh, I see. The confidence gives me 10% fear. Hmm. Okay. I think I, I tried to look it up as we were sitting here. I'm not very good at looking it up as we talk. Uh, the Athletic did their anonymous quotes on all the Big Ten teams from other Big Ten coaches. Interesting. And the Illinois quote was, Brett Bielema seems to really be feeling himself right now. I don't know if that's a really good thing or a really bad thing. And I just think that quote hmm. really captures that my sense of skepticism. There is the Arkansas experience. Correct. Correct. Sure. And, and and so my there's just the two percent fear that he's talking everybody up and then they all stink. <laughs> and it's like, oh man. No, that listen, this is why we play the games. And I, I <laughs> But I'm not worried. I, I don't want to dismiss that either. So that's that's a fair point. And ultimately, though, seven, eight wins, I think, is the ballpark I'm settling in. I'd yep. be happy with either. And that the, the 2% you mentioned there of the not things not going well, I think there's potentially even a greater percent in this Big Ten West for more things going right than wrong. Yes. Based on, while it is not a gimme schedule, it is not a schedule where there's a single game that you say, no. Nope. There's not one game on this schedule that I just slashed the, the Sharpie through proverbially. Like, and, I, I, there isn't. And And... Even as we sit here, what game would you put the lowest percentage chance of winning in? I suppose Penn State, based on their talent. I guess, but it's your home game and your biggest one in five years. And and I would still, going into that game, say, you got a 40% chance? Like, what the hell? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, based on how you played against better opponents, including at Michigan last year, which was not an anomaly, based no, on the way that no. every Bielema game is close. That's what makes me feel good about the end of the stretch last year, too. Mm-hmm. Because I think you could sit here and say, okay, what do we make of the games that mattered the most going one and four or whatever it was down, yeah. the, down the stretch. You could sit here and go, maybe I shouldn't be putting so much confidence in him. If I, you know, if I, if I'm hyping him up as this great motivator and this guy who's prepared hundred percent of the time, why did that happen? Cause that's the antithesis of, of motivation and preparedness, mm-hmm. but you, you never looked putrid. 
In the in the home games you lost, I mean Michigan you were State. Off. Michigan State, you looked the most putrid, I would say. But even still, I mean, you had a chance late in that game to mm-hmm. still win it. And and Purdue, you gave up far too many plays on defense. But again, you didn't lose that game forty to ten and sat there going, "What the hell just happened?" You should have beat Michigan. Like I just don't think any of those games were so disconcertingly bad that it was like, "What the hell just happened?" Even though we did feel like what the hell just happened after that two-game home losing streak, I never felt like the wheels had come off, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, and a weird misnomer about last season. It's like people are misremembering, if that's a word, how you got to that record in the first place. Yeah. I would agree that with the notion that late-game execution was problematic in those losses. But I've said this time and time again, and I really do think this is the case. You were closer to 10-2 and two than 6-6. Six and six. Absolutely you were. So, I think the only win that you could say change one play, Tim Beckman style, and it's a loss, is the Iowa one, where Art's yeah. elbow is just slightly down on that fumble. Because there's no way if Iowa scores a, a, a scoop and score touchdown, you're going to march down the field with no. Art Sikowski against that defense and score a touchdown to beat him in, in a minute and 10 seconds. The guys in front of us left. I don't blame them because I I was, I'm like, I'll wait for the replay, but I don't feel great about yeah, this. Yep. And, but that's uh, the only one. I mean, you whipped Nebraska. Yeah. You whipped Wisconsin. Minnesota. These, these were not close games. Virginia. None of them were close games. No. Or at least they didn't feel like close Getting games. Getting to 7-1, the only close win there was Iowa. And so if you were to flip the close games, okay, fine. Flip Iowa to a loss. Then I'm flipping Michigan to a win because you should have won that game. Mm-hmm. So Indiana. I, yep. So, so I, I agree with you that you were much closer to an epic season last year than just a mediocre one. And that makes me feel good. Yeah. And you don't need epic. I don't need epic. Nope. Just give me some good. Remember when uh, Lovey six and seven year Josh tweeted magical season it was a it was a magical i was season. so pissed off when i saw that, that was one of his few uh blunders that was when he was writing a letter to the fan base every month and i was like could we just pump the brakes on that there i don't need a, to there should be a rule in hindsight if you lose to a two and nine northwestern team and you have to write a letter twice during a season it's automatically game over <laughs> for the coach well what is the old i just read this quote today i guess reagan once said if you're explaining something you've already lost <laughs> It's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. And if you're yeah. trying to explain, well, it was magic. I remember being at my parents' house for some Sunday family dinner kind of thing, and I see that letter, and I just was livid. <laughs> now, I, to Whitman's credit, and I, I do think we are in a really good spot with leadership. Yes. And he has really tempered that. He he had a little bit more of I the, agree. I'm one of you yeah. fans. Yeah. And now he's like, no, I'm an executive. Mm-hmm. He came out strong with the, we will win. We are going to win immediately. This season was mad. I mean, he was pretty strong with that stuff, mm-hmm. and I think he has toned that back significantly and to his to his credit. Yeah, and hey, winning cures all, but I will say to his credit as well, identifying Brett Bielma, right now it looks like that's that was the best move at that time, and it's not particularly close. You got someone that is an established head coach that knows how to run a Big Ten program, and we have, since John Makovic, not had that here. And he sort of just plucked him out of, I mean, he was the Patriots assistant something or other. You know what that tells me is that whatever networking he's been doing, Yes, I mean, that was well vetted. And and frankly, Underwood was the same way, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I didn't even know who he was. I had to dig, I had to do the Wikipedia search and think, okay, well, his record's gaudy. At Oklahoma State and then those good years with Stephen F. Austin. But I think, and regardless of what you think of him now, and obviously it's a little more ambiguous probably how you feel long-term about basketball, but the fact that Whitman was able to pluck both of those guys, 
I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Mm-hmm. I think they'd be sixth or seventh on a list if we as fans were to come up with the dream candidate list. Whereas and yet, Lovey would have been, oh, right. whoa. Right. So there's to the pivot, though, because he went with the number one guy on the fan list the first time. And, and that's why work. I think we afforded him like, hey, okay, we, we get it. Right. We would have done the same thing. But so he's pivoted to this thing where he picks the guy that I don't think Brett Bielema has a job right now if Illinois didn't hire him. I Perhaps. Mean, who, who else was hiring him? Yeah. I don't think maybe this next cycle someone would have, but the fact that he was able to get both of those guys without them even being, I mean, Brett was on lists. I remember talking about him, but I don't think anyone thought he was at the top of the list. I think what's really clever about that hire though, is there was risk for sure. Yes. But boy, was it completely overshadowed by all the possible benefits of getting a guy that had done it. Yep. And back to this narrative thing, (laughs) you know, just the, the, the professional narrative of his career, second chance. Arkansas was a weird thing, and I think I'm until I see that repeat here, I'm willing to d- dismiss that as that was a one situation thing. It just didn't work, and I get it. But in terms of the Big Ten, and more specifically the Big Ten West, where you're playing the likes of the Iowa's, Wisconsin's, yes, that will change. But you know what? I think even going forward, it doesn't concern me. I don't really care. I don't either. You're not going to get all those teams on the same year. I think they're being very, at least from what we saw from, and they're going to have to redo it again now, but from what we saw from the next two-year schedule, you're never going to get USC and UCLA both on the road at the same year or something because they're trying to spread everybody out so that everybody gets to play everybody. Does it really, I mean, honestly, does it really change your long-term, big-picture look of Illinois football if they have to play at Washington one year and then versus UCLA the next, and that's the only difference? No. I don't care. I, and I think you will schedule accordingly in the non-conference yeah. to offset that. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I, I with with the way it's expanding now, you probably are going to get like one game and everybody's just going to pick a cupcake and then you play everybody. And something. that's okay because then you're you're all in the same boat. Right. So I, just, I don't really care. Yeah. Yes, UC, USC would beat you. Yes, Oregon at their best would beat you. But there's no difference between Oregon and Penn State. And we're saying right now that you have a 40% chance to beat Penn State at home. So what's the difference with if, Oregon? If it was just, Oregon, it'd be, I'd feel the same way. I probably, just, I, I, probably more confident. I care, obviously. It's going to be weird and different. But I don't care to the degree that I'm saying, well, throw in the towel for the future of Illinois football. They're never going to win six again or something. I don't think it changes things drastically. But what it does do, the, the final thing I think with this particular season is that as far as the Big Ten West is concerned, I do think that is in the back of everybody's yes. mind over there. Yes. That this is the last, uh, as we know it, the Big Ten West, we let it go last year. I, if that's a thread you can sustain for a whole season, that's a challenge. But because I I think one of the most underrated things with this team is their age, their experience. Yep. It just so happens that at some of the most crucial positions, you don't have that. But yeah. in others, you do. I think the two teams that feel that are Iowa and Illinois. Yeah. Because Iowa didn't win it last year for what felt like the first time in a long time because it was either always them. Would they have been in if they had beat Nebraska? Yes. So despite everything that happened, they almost could have gone to Indy. And you look at Kirk Ferentz, I don't care about him at all, but I'm sure he's get, he's getting ready to retire. So I think there's a similar with Cade McNamara, who obviously went there with Michigan but couldn't reach the mountaintop or whatever you want to call it. I think there's a similar level of we got to go win one for the Gipper here that not, for both Iowa and Illinois. I think those are the two teams in the West. Wisconsin doesn't care. Luke Fickle's a really good coach. He, I mean, he could have been at Ohio State. I don't think they really care about winning the final Big Ten West title. I think Illinois and I would do. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm going to pitch you one last narrative. Okay. Say a really good scenario plays out, mm-hmm. and you do get to Indy. 
what what if for the last Big Ten title that you feel like you might ever be able to win? And that I do buy into, right? I don't think you're going to go out and win Big Ten titles when you've got... It depends on how it's set up. It'd have to be divisions or something. Yes. You win Big Ten whatever division title. But and that's your, okay. your easiest path to winning a Big Ten title is this final year. Correct. What if you're playing Michigan in that title game and then Brett can bring back last year's Michigan game in Indy to win the Big Ten? Then I think you're winning. I kind of feel like you're going to win the Big Ten. <laughs> What if this was just a long play? Like if you go nine and three, the most beautiful long play and ever. You're really to win feeling title. it, and then Brett comes in there and shows like the BS, you know, uh, penalty or whatever, and is like, because I don't think we beat Michigan last year in a second time. No, I don't. I don't. Think so I, I think that was too easy of a. No, I think you actually would have lost substantially. Yeah, because after the initial adrenaline wears off, the way the right. run they were on at those two weeks, they were going to beat you. But you get one more shot. I just think that'd be really cool if that's. It, God, let's end on that. that in, in, the ten, in the ten percent possibility <laughs> that that's the path, I think that'd be a really, really interesting uh, matchup. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it'd be a game. I would have no qu- at that point if you make the Big Ten title game this year with as many experienced guys as you have. I would have no doubts that that would be a competitive game, unlike the Purdue, Michigan, whatever the hell that was last yeah. year, which everybody knew was. It was, it was, was kind of funny, by the way, how everyone was sort of positioning it to. Well, Jeff Brom, he's got some gadgets mm. up. It's like no. He, he, <laughs> There's no. no amount of gadgets that would have gotten Purdue to a win in that game. Even though Aiden Connell will be a backup quarterback. He's looking pretty like. good. Yeah. And he always did have that sort of pro thing about him mm-hmm. where he he's one of those guys that actually is less flashy in college but keeps a paycheck for the next decade being somebody's backup. Chase like Daniel. A, yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. Trevor, it was great having you back. It was great to be back. Um, we'll, we'll do this periodically, depending on your availability. You're busy. I know with Field of 68, right? Yep, Field of 68. We got uh, football and basketball both starting up soon. We're going to the uh, College Basketball Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Coach K is the – which is kind of weird. He actually got inducted in 2021, but because it was COVID, they had no oh, ceremony. Okay. So he's the only guy from that class who is now going to be in this class. So it's hmm. sort of like anybody else. The, um, I'm trying to think. There was he's a, the biggest name for he's sure. By but... far the biggest. Tyler Hansborough, one of the other oh, names. Psycho T. Basically a who's who of people that people around here would hate. Is, is, is who I'm covering. Those two names so, are all I needed to know. Well, yep. that's still going to be a really cool experience <laughs> up there, though. Yeah, Where's it, it at? Be fun. Uh, it's in Chicago. McCormick? It's not at McCormick. It's at some. It looks like one of those renovated places like Hoop House or something. I don't really know what it is, cool. but it'll be fun. Uh, well, before we get out of here, I got to have the sponsors real quick. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Also, Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com for all your home improvement projects. Owen Builders, LLC. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. That's right. Great domain name. Even better guy, Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent. Also, real quick, Champagne Center Partnership. Got to thank them for hopping on with this month, at least, with the 200 level. They have a Campus Town Street Fest on Saturday, September 9th, from 1 to 7 p.m. with free music, dance performances, local vendors, and a global array of restaurants chow down in campus town love the name presented by jsm living the city of champagne and powered by the champagne center partnership online at champagnecenter.com we will be back later this week with harry black isaac ambrose and i will be live from poor brothers in downtown champagne on friday september 1st 6 p.m our first ever live 200 level well as far as live in person we're excited about that and uh, you can follow us on twitter facebook all that at the 200 level and thank you to champagne showers podcast network all right trevor we'll see you soon 
In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you in a few days. It is the 200 level. Bye.